0: on your radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: What's up? Sports Talk
3: Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at PearlRiverResort.com. Alongside Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, 28th of June. Good to be with you. Love to hear from you. C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with Gigabit Fiber Internet from cspire Business. You can learn more online at cspire.com slash business. we got um, a little bit different start to the show today than has been normal. We've been talking a lot of baseball. As uh, we got to the end of the baseball season, we had College World Series. Been talking a lot of football as we do. Oh, you know, look, roughly 365 days a year, minus weekends. Although we talk about it on the weekends at home as well.
2: Yeah, uh, over lunch, uh, I talked a lot about football today with uh, unsuspecting Clemson and South Carolina fans. There you go. So, See? Uh, it, 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 but I need to eight, tell you what I did. I'm so proud of this. You're okay. gonna you're gonna think it's immature, but it's fine. okay. I don't care. Go so ahead. I made myself a sandwich for lunch. And I had my computer up, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and On3 does the thing that, I think it was On3, I can't even remember what publication, but this time of year when nobody's creative enough to do anything else, they will just post a team schedule and say, what's South Carolina's record going to be in 2023? Gets their engagement up all good. I replied, because I saw an opportunity, 7-5 and wins, and I put the wins, and it was like Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Clemson, and then losses. Furman, uh, Mississippi State. Well, oh God, what was the other bad one? Either way. And I said seven and five <laughs> based on my advanced uh, statistical analytics predictor model or whatever. And the replies made everybody so mad. Like, oh, your model's broken. And I would say back, actually, no, it's a. Uh, been a formula that was developed by the greatest sports scientists that money can buy and it's been the the best schedule record predictor predictor 6 years running you troll yeah i are saying you trolled, <laughs> yeah, I I saying. trolled, you trolled the, these people yes and i did it the entire time and like I, s- I stopped when i got done eating obviously cuz i have more important things to do than than just troll on twitter all day but man i ha- i was just laughing your model says that Furman's going to beat us, but we're going to beat Georgia. Your model's broken. Actually, no. My model predicted that the Citadel was going to beat South Carolina, and everybody laughed at me then. But look at me now.
1: <laughs> I just like—I just—I I don't know if I like or dislike the fact that Mississippi State and Furman are on the same tier in this hmm. model. I, don't I like know, that one bit. I
2: know those people, and I know what they think, and that's why I yeah. did that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, and I mean, really you could just point to
3: last season. I mean, like, look at your losses, but look at the wins that you had. You beat Clemson at the uh at the end of the year, but there was a head scratcher or two in there in terms of losses along the way. I had them losing so. to
2: Furman, Mississippi State, Florida, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. <laughs> but oh, beating wow. Georgia and Tennessee. Wow. Man. It's almost like you ask a South Carolina
3: fan, Hey, would you take that? Like, if you knew your record was going to be 7-5, and five, would you rather have 7-5 and five where you win the games you were supposed to win and you lose the games that you were supposed to lose? Or would you prefer to win some games that nobody is giving you a chance to win but then you have losses that, like, make you want to put your head through a drywall and kind of hope that you actually hit a stud?
1: I don't know, man. That, that's a tough call. Yeah, you know, losing to Furman is a bitter pill to swallow, even if you beat Georgia. You're like, how do we lose? Because it becomes the question. It becomes that internal nagging, how did we lose to Furman? We beat yeah. Georgia.
3: No, no, I, yeah, I get it. I, I, I completely get it. Like, like, if you were Ole Miss this year, and I told you that this season you could have wins against Alabama, LSU, Georgia and Texas A and M, but you're going four and four in the SEC. So you beat Alabama, (laughs) you beat Georgia, (laughs) you beat L S U, you beat Texas A and M, but you lose to Arkansas, Auburn, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State. Do you take that?
1: You gotta take that. You gotta take that. Do you you? gotta take that? Ole Miss didn't go
2: to the SEC championship in a year in which they beat Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. That happens yes. just a few years ago, and I don't know if I'd take that. I
3: mean, but, but answer me this: This is not where I thought we were going to start the show, but that's that's completely okay. So, if I tell you the record is eight and four for all this. And you win all four of your non-conference games. You beat Mercer, you win at Tulane, you win against Georgia Tech, and you beat ULM the week before the Egg Bowl. Right.
1: And you can and you either flip the other, the other games.
3: Yeah, exactly. No, no. Which of those two options would make you feel better about yourself at the end of the year? Having a win you, you got it. on the road against Alabama, at home against LSU, at home against Texas A&M and on the road against Georgia, but that means that means you lose at home to Arkansas, you lose on the road to Auburn and Hugh Freeze, you lose embarrassingly to Vanderbilt at home on Homecoming on October 28th, and you lose the Egg Bowl for the second consecutive year.
1: You got you got to take the first option. You got to, but you, you have Alabama, four Georgia, four top LSU.
3: ten wins. Yeah, but where does yeah.
1: get you? Yeah, you got you got to go. Well, you're eight and four. You're probably ranked in the top fifteen with those wins at eight and four.
2: What road game, so, if you were given the choice, would you rather have Georgia or Alabama? It's Alabama.
1: I don't mm. know. It depends. Georgia. That's so late in the season that that might be a. Might be, they might be number, uh, one the hey, be Dad, number one in the nation. questions incoming.
2: What what are two for Mississippi State that that are equal of? So,
1: that's the interesting thing for state because they don't have that third team, right? With Ole Miss, you get Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. State has Alabama, LSU, and then a bunch of teams that they've been beating through you know through the year. So it would be Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Texas A and M, I guess. But you lose the other four. But then it doesn't sound that bad, right? If you okay, so State beat Kentucky, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and uh, uh, um, South Carolina. Cool. It doesn't. It's not as. It's not as big a gap as it was with Ole Miss because Georgia is on the other side with that.
3: And you don't have a loss to Vanderbilt mixed in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. States is like. eh, I can go either way. I probably pick the one with the egg ball, to be totally honest with you. But for Ole Miss, it's it's a big gap between because beating Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. How many teams have done that ever in a season in the SEC? Probably not a lot.
3: No. No. I mean, it would be like the most exciting but frustrating season ever. If that <laughs> I, happened, for I Ole Miss. would love
1: to be on this show. Like does Ole Miss play Vanderbilt before Georgia or after Georgia? Vanderbilt um, is before Georgia. All right,
3: hey, hey here's okay. the thing. Okay, so so if that scenario played out, hey dad, it would yeah. be a 5 and 0 start. With back-to-back <laughs> wins against
2: Alabama and you can't LSU, do that again.
3: and then oh, after five oh my and zero, hold on, hold on, and then after going five and zero, you would fall to five and three with consecutive losses to <laughs> Arkansas, Auburn, and Vanderbilt. And this then show would be incredible. And then you would get to eight and three with wins over Texas A&M, Georgia, and ULM.
1: And then you lose. to
3: State. And then you lose on Thanksgiving night to Mississippi State All on right. the road.
1: I'm buying this for Ole Miss fans. This show would be incredible. Like, 5-0 and and you've beaten Alabama and LSU? <laughs> the text line would be rolling. Everybody would be like, hey, Dad, you guys are going to get killed on Thanksgiving. And then when you lose to Vanderbilt, I would be, I'm like, what happened? That that Monday show after Ole Miss lost to Vanderbilt in this scenario would be Incredible. <laughs> the the amount of like what just happened well, we would have to try to figure out and then the
0: following and then you beat Monday,
1: Georgia
3: and then the following Monday you get it done against A and M and you're like yeah wait okay bounce how, back how did that they happen bounce back and then the Monday after then that Georgia. it's like you, you you just won at Sanford Stadium against the number <laughs> like, one what, team what is it and,
0: what is we going would say
1: on? we would say what is this team about a thousand times every in, in in three months every week. Be like, what is this team? <laughs> that's oh goodness! That's a hilarious scenario. That's not, I wish I wish it I could mean, happen. It, got, it would be so it, funny.
2: Kinda ha- did happen in 2015, and then it kind of happened when Ole Miss beat Tebow and and lost to Vanderbilt. I mean that that happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, that happened. 08, yeah, hmm.
2: and a bad South Carolina team that year, right?
1: I have to go back. I don't remember I that. Do, I remember I, them losing I, the next year.
2: I think that's right.
1: Mm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's like a heartburn-inducing thought. Like it's just a mind pretzel. You're like, oh, wait, 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 what? They
1: what? did lose to South Carolina. You're right. Yeah. Mm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you,
3: streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. We're back with you right after this.
0: Sports Talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three, one, two, three. We the best. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Get to this afternoon, but we need to we, we need to clean up a mess that, that I don't know that we actually made this mess, but we have contributed to the mess by providing erroneous information for a significant period of time. Hey Dad, I'm blaming you for this. So Wes Johnson, who was the pitching coach for LSU took the Georgia job. And what have we said about Wes Johnson over and over and over and over and over this year?
1: Good pitching coach?
3: No, about how much money he's making.
1: Oh, I have no idea. Because, yeah, we're going to blame me for the... Erroneous information on a pitching coach's salary—that definitely sounds like something I would have contributed. Go ahead, though,
3: guys. We have talked throughout the course of the season about West Johnson being a million-dollar pitching coach. That he was making one point one million dollars in LSU. Right?
2: I, I believed mm-hmm. you when you said that. Yes,
1: I said that. We we have said that.
3: Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Well, maybe I'm the one providing bad information. But when we were talking. But but when we talked about Georgia. Hiring Wes Johnson. We all talked about, wow, Georgia must be making a commitment to baseball. What are they paying him? Is he willing to take a pay cut? Well, here's the deal. Wes Johnson had a $1.14 million contract at LSU. But it was a three-year deal. He was making $380,000 a year. He did take a pay cut to leave the Minnesota Twins, where he was making $400,000 a year, to go to LSU on a three-year deal at $380,000. So, the reason I got curious about that was because we saw, I don't even think we talked about it on the air, Rob Vaughn, who was at Maryland and got the Alabama job recently, is making $900,000 a year at Alabama, which is a significant increase for Alabama in terms of baseball salary. They were paying Brad Bohannon... What between six and hundred six and seven hundred thousand, maybe he was just shy of six hundred thousand. So they bump up about three hundred thousand dollars a year in what they are paying their head coach. Georgia was paying Scott Strickland a little over six hundred thousand dollars a year. Wes Johnson at Georgia is now making seven hundred thousand dollars a year. So he gets a three hundred ten thousand dollar raise from where he was at LSU as a pitching coach, but he's still not in that upper tier of SEC coaches. And Georgia's still not really making any kind of a financial commitment to a coach. And that was the question that we had about Georgia, right? Because we talked about, man, this is a job that should be great because of the access that you have to talent. Even though the facility is just very okay and the fan base is just very okay, it's a place where you can and should win. But if they were going to get somebody like Dan McDonald, just a name that we threw out a lot, and others throughout, for Georgia, it was going to take a significant bump. They were probably going to have to double what they were paying a baseball coach at Georgia. They were probably going to have to go from 600 to, like, $1.2 or in that ballpark, which would have put him in the top ten highest paid coaches in America. Obviously, Georgia didn't do that. So a little bit more commitment from Alabama with the hiring of Rob Vaughn and the salary that they're paying, and not much of a change for Georgia, only bumping their head baseball coach salary by $100,000. So... Anyway, if uh, if you have been believing and telling your friends that LSU was paying their pitching coach over a million dollars a year, um, I apologize. We apologize. You don't have to apologize. You didn't know any better if you just took our word for it. So I just I hate for us to put bad information out and then find out that it was wrong and be like, oh, we never said that. So I'll just own it. I'll take the blame for it.
2: Whatever. Yeah, I hate that again with that that uh, R word. Uh, I said I. I said I apologize. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 under, trust me, I understand the economics and the difference, but it is still kind of mind-blowing to me that an offensive line coach at the same college makes hundreds of thousands more than the head baseball coach. Yeah. I mean, Pete Golding makes more than Mike Bianco. I mean, or does he? Mm-hmm. Pete's over two. Mike's not over two, is he? Correct. Yeah. And I get it, football pays the bills for basically everybody else, but that's still staggering, he, he makes
3: more than Mike Bianco, an, an amount more than Mike Bianco, that certainly the three of us talking into these microphones, and my guess is that most of our listening audience would be more than happy to trade whatever their current salary is for the difference in those two. Now in college athletics, I mean if it's three, four, five hundred thousand dollars difference, whatever the whatever the exact number is, that doesn't feel like a lot in like the big numbers of college coaching world. But for most of us, would you trade whatever you're making right now for three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year in terms of salary? Yeah. 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 That's real money, I guess, is the point that I'm making there. Yeah. Good job if you can get it. And I think a three year contract? Think. I think that's what Pete Golding's deal was. Great so, job,
1: if you can get it.
2: Pre- pre- <laughs> what was
3: that? Six and a half million guaranteed, give or take? Yeah.
2: Not, uh, not all that. Not enough to buy my island, but I can spend a lot of vacation time at my island. Yeah. Jason and Tupelo says yeah. that I'm spreading Russian
3: disinformation.
1: Comrade Richardson, give us glorious information on Wes Johnson. Yeah.
3: Darren and Jackson says, "I wish my company would increase my pay by just one hundred thousand dollars."
1: Yeah, I mean, if they're listening down there in corner office, we'll we'll all take that. We won't complain one bit, not one bit. Not I'll fight anybody that complains. Yeah.
3: Uh, Adam and Monticello says that's over eight times what I make. Yes, I absolutely would swap salaries. Yeah, and and. and it, I guess the point I was making in all of that is we talk so much about these big numbers as they pertain to coaching salaries that it almost like just becomes monopoly money. Like it's not even real. We just throw those numbers around all the time without thinking about the difference in making six hundred thousand a year and making sixty five thousand a year. Making, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys do think about that. I, it, it's just. It's almost like they're just make believe numbers. I mean when you think about okay, think about Lane Kiffin just for a second. Let's just call it an even nine million dollars. And if he is in a forty percent tax bracket, which is probably a touch high, but whatever. That's three point six million in taxes. And so you back that out of out of nine so so you're talking about five point four million? If he gets a paycheck, oh, let's just round it down to make it easier. Let's just say he's taking home $5 million a year divided. That's $600,000 a month. If he gets a paycheck, that's after taxes. If he gets a paycheck every two weeks, there is a direct deposit into his bank account every 15 days for $300,000. With, yeah, That's insane. Coaches make a lot of money. They do, I mean, but but yeah. it's not until yeah. you like really break it down and you think about how that works. It's like okay, I don't get paid until Friday. I hope I've got enough to get in, get to Friday. Versus I don't get paid until Friday. Here's another three hundred thousand. Hope I can make it for the next two weeks on that.
1: I don't think Kiffin's going to you know check into cash to. Uh to try to you know, stretch that budget for an extra week. You know, I don't think he's got a title loan floating out there or anything, you know? Yeah. I hope not. Gosh.
3: Yes, that would be poor management if that was the case.
1: <laughs> we wonder why he had to get rid of the boat. Well, he had a, he had a title loan on it. He had <laughs> to make the payments.
3: Payday. Those interest rates are ridiculous. Congress <laughs> needs to do something about those.
1: I mean, <laughs> Imagine if you're <laughs> like, I don't know what's next to a check in to cash in Oxford. If you're going into some store and you're like, Lane, are you going into the check of the cat? Oh my gosh. We're having a lot of fun today. I don't know what's going on. I like it, though. The, yes. the
2: vibes are good. Aren't are we under yeah. 60 days to the start of college football week zero? Aren't we
0: uh, under yes. 60?
1: Yeah. Well, we sh- yeah. Because yesterday yeah. was 67, so today would be 60. Yeah. yeah.
3: We had 66 days into the first full Saturday.
2: Yeah, but we man week 0 is perfect because it's college football and then when that ends it I don't know. I, I feel like we should moving forward do the countdown to week 0 because counting down like 100 teams in 100 days style when it's game week feels uh not unnecessary is the right word, but I mean, what are the teams that we're going to do that week? Oh, we, oh, Florida State's the the last one. Memphis, West Virginia, Oregon State, and Navy. We should be doing that leading up to week zero. Okay. We have an SEC game in Notre Dame and then like... Well, we have an SEC team. And, and you know, they're, they're more just kind of like the S-E. Yeah, we don't have to make fun of Vanderbilt. I but, saw a video earlier of Clark Lee after they beat Kentucky. I forgot how emotional that win was for him. I like that guy. Oh, yeah. Coaching at his alma mater. Making a good living. Giving it a go against all odds. And uh, now Mississippi State quarterback Mike Wright was great that day.
3: hmm yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. we got more coming up after the break right here in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
0: mississippi on the supertalk app your local supertalk station and at supertalk.fm
3: Adam asks a question on the ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. It goes along with the you are getting three hundred thousand dollars deposited directly into your checking account every two weeks, and uh, since you know that money is coming over and over and over, you can do wise things with the money. But his question is, what's the first purchase you make when that three hundred thousand hits your account for the very first time? And again, I would say, I would remind, okay, we have we have plenty of time to do many responsible things with the money, like invest and save for kids' college and pay off debt and all that good stuff. You, you can do all of those things later, like two weeks from now, but that first k hits your account. And this is a raise, right? You, you're already operating in a way where you're able to pay your monthly bills. So for your just first blow-it purchase... But what do you buy? With three hundred
1: k. mean you don't have to spend all
3: of it, but you know some amount
1: of it. Well, I mean, I, that, but that's my that's my maximum is what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't say that I'm going to buy something that costs a million dollars. Yeah, yeah.
3: It. I mean, if, you, if you're going to buy something that's a million dollars, you need to be a little more responsible. You need to wait, you know, got two to, or three months, let got, it build up a little. I got to wait
1: and, nine weeks. There's no the reason to finance it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm either. I'll be honest with you. I'll probably not. I don't know if I would move. I, I like my house, so I don't know that I would move. So I might go the full make Richard happy uh, method and just blow out my backyard and, and put you know lights in and get a TV back there and some setups for grills and things like that. Because, I mean, that's something I bring, that brings me joy. Or I'm just going to go to Vegas for like 10 days. Just <laughs> 300,000
3: last 10 days? To do it in uh, in Vegas, yeah. I mean, as, long, as
1: long as you're not, you know, as long as I'm not gambling stupidly, but you know, I'll get a, get a suite in one okay. of the nicer hotels, and, and sort of go from there.
3: All right, we we'll got some of your answers coming in on the Seaspire text line at 601-879-4395. What are you doing, Borky? Uh,
2: the second the three hundred K hits my account. I If it's possible, there's a small planes airport near their house. I'm paying a pilot to fly me down to 38 because I'm not doing that long drive. Stopping off at a liquor store. getting That that six-hour drive
3: from Jackson, not doing
2: that. A six-hour drive versus what? A 34, not 30-minute, like hour or so flight? Depending on the 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 plane, plane. it could be a 30-minute flight from where you are. There's a couple of nice private jets that come in and out of there. I would love to know who they are. But either way, I'm getting one of those. They're taking me down to 38, and uh, I I guess I need to do I really should, because I've always been – every time I drive by, I see these really nice private jets. I want to know who they are. But uh, going down to 38, stopping off at a liquor store, getting the most expensive bottle of bourbon they have. Don't care what it is. Just what costs the most. Give me that one. (laughs) And I'm getting a cooler filled with ice and just going to sit on the beach with my feet up and enjoy – that bottle of bourbon. And then I'll do the other stuff like buy a house, do my yard and all that. But the second 300K hits my bank account, I'm going to the beach and I'm drinking the most expensive bottle of bourbon that I can find. Okay. I like it.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's
2: it's a, it sounds like a good. dream. Like just sitting there with my feet up and watching the sunset with a glass of. What is the most ex- expensive bourbon that liquor stores carry generally?
1: I mean, it depends where you go. You, you might find some Pappy somewhere. It, then if it's yeah, Pappy, I mean, it's
3: Pappy. Uh, a 24-year-old bottle of Pappy, if you can find it, is... I mean, in terms way, of yeah. what people would recognize is probably about the most expensive bottle of bourbon you can yeah. buy, certainly on the secondary market.
1: Mm. Borky, the best part of this is you got your feet in the sand there, and you're just thinking... In 13 days, I'm getting another $300,000. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like, I, I can just hang out here
3: for however long I want.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. It's fine.
3: Yeah. All right. So, knowing that more is coming in two weeks, and I'm not like being completely irresponsible, uh, I'm calling the uh, the good folks over at Nicholas Air, and I'm going to say I need uh, I need to buy $200,000 worth of hours on, uh, on on a jet card to use at my disposal. And then I'm calling and renting one of the really nice places in the mountains out west and we're gonna stay for a month. Like the, the entire month of July. You you boys have got it on the radio. Maybe I'll take some equipment and check in with you a couple of days, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna unplug for a month, maybe six weeks if there's enough there. And um and yeah, that probably does what, like two hundred thousand? That's probably like twenty or twenty five hours on a on a private jet. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. All right, here we go. Ceasefire spire tax line, what you're doing if this comes up. No, you don't get to pay off the credit card. First one I read, pay off the credit report and spend a month in Alaska. No, no, no. no. You can do that in two weeks. You
2: don't get to do that with the first deposit. Uh, but a month in Alaska would be – Alaska in the summer, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, is yep. – the the most enjoyable vacation I have ever had, and there is not a close second. Paul says he's buying a new truck and a Bass Cat boat. Okay.
3: Uh, and was that it? Was there something else there? Oh, he says, and also a trip to Disney World for the kids. 38 oh, really, Borky,
2: surrounded by everyone in packed places? I, I mean, I would... I'd
1: figure it out. It's just the,
2: it's it's close. Uh, what, what I'm looking for is, is proximity. I want to get there today. You can get get your own now.
1: house with a beach. You, know, you can get your own house with its own beach. To, yeah, yeah, hey, hey, easily, easily.
3: You're underestimating this whole private jet thing. I guess with I this am. airport that's so close to you, you can get on a jet in Jackson, Mississippi, and two hours later, you can be in the Bahamas. And I'm not talking about like Grand Bahama. I'm talking about like Eleuthera or Exuma or something like that where you can see nobody. Two hours.
1: Borky and I, Borky and I know where those places are. Yeah, for sure. And we, right nah, off. Exactly right what you're top talking about. my
3: head, yeah. Hey, hey, Dad, did you notice people <laughs> picking Borky's plans apart? Bourbon on the beach? You yeah, know? no.
2: <laughs> hey, I enjoy good bourbon anywhere, man. And it doesn't matter. I can be hot or cold or somewhere in between or no, inside. Nobody's or outside got a
1: problem or... with Vegas. Get in get in there and start. Let's go.
2: We get a uh, we get a
3: pontoon boat and a side by side. He says pay off the house and the land. Nope. You can do that next week, next month.
2: Not doing that this month. A buddy texted me and said two linebackers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, the Bulldog initiative can get my second check.
3: <laughs> uh here we go. Somebody says don't spend it on a submarine trip. Full outdoor kitchen, side of beef and pork, print off a statement, and just stare at it. Yeah. Uh, One soulless weekend in Vegas, then go back to working at Kinko's until the next deposit (laughs) hits. Uh, A new F-250 and a bigger camper to pull with it. That's from Blake in the Delta. Oh, here you go. Borky, this one's up your alley. Charter flight to Belize for two weeks, and then a charter back. There you go. Yeah. Uh, David's getting a new Ford truck. I like this. I like it. Well, uh, Ray in Long Beach says he's going to Waffle House a day for five days and secretly paying for everyone's meals.
1: That's nice of you. That's, That's very nice of you, very right? Very nice. Yeah. Um, Can you get... So I'm making how much a year? This is $9 million a year is what we determined? Yeah, so yeah but
3: af- after taxes, you're in the five and a half to $6 million range.
1: Can I get a, a single Waffle House with a chef in my house? Can I wake up every morning and be like, hey, Bob, can you get some hash browns? Well,
0: I,
3: I don't know that you could actually get Waffle House to sign off on that, but you could.
1: Mm-hmm. You could build Just the get a exact and kitchen get a
3: setup that they have in Waffle House yeah. and a chef.
1: Get the waffle iron and, and then and the, and yeah. the flat top. And yes. Every yes. morning. Hey, hey, Bob, hash browns, pecan waffle. Thank you. Bacon. Bacon rare. Thank you.
3: Private jet to Australia. Going to go play with some
2: kangaroos. Man, some yeah, great fishing in Australia.
1: But we need you, whoever private... this is at the 205 to, to win this money because he says he's going to do a private remote with us with all we can eat and drink. Buddy, we're pulling for you. Yeah, I It like can't it. be
3: me. It needs to be you. Yeah. Somebody said Skybox tickets at Vaught-Hemingway.
1: Okay. Okay. I mean that that would that you
3: like a decade of Skybox,
1: maybe not quite. Those things are sold; they're sold out. Right, I know they are at State. I'm sure they are. You know, and they're like, "Oh, we've got everybody; they're already bought." Like, what's the number you have to tell them? Like, well, I'll give you this much. So they kick somebody out of there. There's a number. That number exists for Keith Carter and Zach Selman. I I was going to say,
3: my guess is that there is a number where Keith Carter and Zach Selman say, "You know what? Just take my box. We'll figure out something."
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if I told him I'm getting three hundred grand a week, I was like, I'm going to bring you a hundred grand a week every or every paycheck. So you're making two hundred grand a month off of me. Yeah, I'm going to get a skybox. That's going to happen. Mm. They might just build one for you. <laughs> it's like we got to build another box.
3: There's like <laughs> one box on the end. There. We're just going to do one standalone box that
1: we're going to one box to the on end. the end in the end zone. It's like just floating out there. Buying Stultz.
3: an RV and driving to pe- play Pebble Beach and Torrey Pines. That's from Jeremy in Columbia. Good for you,
1: Richard. We want to get in on that trip. Mm, I might want to get Probably on Borky, this one think, too.
3: Says Nicholas Air to Monterey Peninsula until Labor Day. Ooh, ooh, yes, yeah. But you gotta, you gotta find somebody. You, you gotta fly somebody out there that's a member at uh, at Cypress, though, because that's got to be part of your rotation while you're there. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with Gigabit Fiber Internet from C Spire Business. We'll be right back.
0: Opening in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi.
3: afternoon in late June. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, and the Pearl River Resort Studios, thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to follow them on social media. They've got a Facebook page, an Instagram account, Twitter account, TikTok as well. If you go to the Visit Oxford website, you can find the events page. Click on that and see what is coming up in and around Oxford. Including the Music Man at the Ford Center this weekend. Tickets, I think, are still available. My mom told me the other day that she was uh, she was going to see that on Saturday night. I was in the Music Man in high school.
1: Were you the Music Man?
3: No, I was not. I was not that talented. I was the constable.
1: Okay. Had
3: the uh, had had a very memorable line in there. You know, there was a, a young troublemaker that uh, that lived. In, uh, in town named Tommy Gilles, and the constable pops up from the other side of the stage. He goes, Tommy Gilles, I wouldn't do that if I was you. <laughs> there you go. There
2: it is. So, so Did uh, they make you do that like you had to be in a play in school, or was that a no, choice?
3: No, it wouldn't be. I, uh, I was in two. I was in Wizard of Oz my ninth grade year, and Music Man my tenth grade year. I don't think I was in... Play it all my eleventh grade year, either eleventh or twelfth grade. I, I either wasn't in one or worked on the crew for uh, like backstage. It was cool though. I mean, it was fun if you like musicals or whatever. But it was not like a the theater program at Oxford when I was in high school was really good, and it's continued to be good. And a lot of people did that. But part of it was when you were in ninth grade, you got to stay out late on school nights. Because there was like a three-month run-up to the show, and practices were at night, and so like from seven to nine, you know, you're kind of hanging out with your friends at play practice for a couple of months in the spring. It went all bad. Um, no, Music Man it was fun, good show. Anyway, you want to go see the Music Man? You can see it at the Ford Center this weekend. Learn more about that online at visitoxfordms.com. You guys ever gonna play?
2: No, I played
1: sports. <laughs> I yes. played sports. Yes, and I so did I, a, Borky. Thank you. Play, but it, I, I don't. I don't remember being. I don't think we did a high school play. So I, did, I was some in a couple of in elementary school though. Yeah.
2: No, yeah. I, we didn't. I mean, I guess we had we had theater, uh, but you had to like be in the class, and I was always in season of something too. Yeah. But we would go. I mean, when they would put it on, we'd go watch. I mean, we had some friends in it and stuff. So. Yeah. Somebody said, were you the tin man? So,
3: no, yeah, I, was farm, ha- I was a farm farmhand in Wizard of Oz. I was only in ninth grade, man. I was way down the totem pole at that point.
2: Did you ever want to oh. do that, like, beyond that? Was that ever a thing, or you just did it, you know, it's high school and something to do? No, it was just fun. Like, I was in the, but like,
3: concert choir chorus or whatever we had It. At... He's still doing did it? You can sing? I- Like, he likes us every day? Yeah. Group setting, fine. I- I'm-, I'm not standing nice. up doing a solo.
2: God, I, I could never audition. I would. Th- my ability to sing is so embarrassing that my, my son has yeah. has not caught on yet. That I like, if we're in the car, he thinks it's funny, but I'm not. I'm not distorting anything. I'm just just jamming <laughs> along, and he thinks it's hilarious. And I'm, I'm going to be sad for the day when he realizes dad's not messing with me. Dad's just being dad.
3: Seaspire Text Line, I just stopped to get my Powerball ticket because of you guys. Thanks. I'll owe you if I win. Hey, if, and if you don't win, you can always become a uh, professional football or a uh, college football coach. It's kind of like winning the Powerball. Yeah.
2: There goes Borky insulting a portion of the listening audience. Relax. That was a joke at Richard. Relax,
1: man.
3: Darren and Jackson, Richard's <laughs> pro wrestler name, should be the Red Shoe Bandit. <laughs>
1: We had, we had that guy, and we've got is anyone giving up for their tithes and offering from their first financial fruits? Come on, man. We're just having fun here. But yes, that we would be we something don't have to that. talk about what we're giving to the church. It'd be all right. We'll get the money to the church. It'll be okay.
2: That would be something that I would do along with St. Jude, something that Richard's heavily involved in. I imagine part yes. of his bi weekly 300 k would go there we also. Would
1: all, we would all donate to good causes. But the yes. first check, I'm going you know, to play around with. But them. not Our Lady of the right? Lake
2: because they have a propensity to hand no. that to LSU football players. But other other hospital charities. I don't trust be,
1: their financials. I don't trust their financials.
2: I'd have to get a return. You know, an I got to see some statements. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they got a return. I mean, there have been who? a couple
3: of national championships. Doc- there, there was a-
1: yeah. Who's Dr. Furnett? I don't know who that is. <laughs> who is that guy? <laughs>
3: He is a genetically lab-engineered freak of nature (laughs) that scores touchdowns.
1: Speaking of that,
2: did you see what happened to Leonard? Orthopedic,
1: you know. Yeah. No, what happened now? He's
2: driving down the interstate. His car just catches fire, and he posts the video of him standing in front of his car that just decided to. And he's he's totally fine, like all good, but just in the middle of the interstate driving his car and and, up in flames. Is that one of those deals where you're driving along and you're like? Something's not right. Ooh, something's
3: really not right. I got to pull over and get out of the car, and you step back, and then you're like, oh, it just spontaneously combusted.
0: Four o'clock hour. We might. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm.
3: This time of year, late June in Mississippi, immediately after baseball season, that anybody is interested in basketball, college basketball in the state of Mississippi. But I think there is a topic that actually generates some interest right now about basketball, which does not start for four and a half months because of what Mississippi State did on the floor last year. And because of what Ole Miss did in the offseason. We'll get to that in just a second. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Geyser Falls Water Park. Great place to get away and cool off. Have you looked at the forecast for this weekend? Yeah. Triple digits on Friday, 98, 99 on Saturday, upper 90s on Sunday. You need a place to cool off. Might go to a water park. Kids will love it. You'll have a good time. Slides, wave pool, lazy river, food, drinks, games, fun, the whole deal. You got it all at Geyser Falls Water Park right here in the Magnolia State, uh, just down the road from Golden Moon, the Silver Star. Learn more online at Pearl RiverResort.com. Ceasefire Text Line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Backed by world class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Ceasefire Country. Learn more about them online at com slash business. The SEC Big Twelve Challenge is no more. Last year was the last year. And it was cool initially. And there were some fun games that happened along the way. You got to see Kentucky, Kansas basically every year and you know, some games against Texas, some games against Oklahoma, et cetera, et cetera. But that felt like it had kind of run its course. And it happened during conference play, which I always thought was weird. Like, we're rolling along through conference play, rolling up, slam on the brakes, everybody's going to play a Big 12 team. Except for the fact that it wasn't everybody, because the Big 12 only had 10 members, and so you had four teams that were odd man out that didn't get to play in the Big 12. So now this year... For the very first time, you have the new ACC-SEC Challenge. It's going to happen in non-conference play. It's going to happen at the end of November. Not just at the end of November. It is the end of November after the final weekend of the regular season. Before the SEC Championship game. Tuesday, November 28th. Wednesday, November 29th. Two nights of ACC versus SEC. All 14 teams in the SEC are a part of it. There's actually one ACC team that doesn't get to participate. Because wow. remember remember, Notre Dame participates in the ACC in sports, not football. They've got 14 football playing members. Louisville is left out. So you get no Louisville Cardinals in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Isn't that wild
2: to say? But, I assume they did it because they finished last
1: I guess. They play Kentucky every year anyway, so it's
2: Yeah. So, here are your matchups. And again,
3: Mississippi State NCAA tournament team. Tola Smith coming back. A couple of nice additions in the transfer portal. Everybody's back. From a team that went to the tournament, year two for Chris Jans. A lot of reason to be excited. And Humphrey Coliseum is going to be done, right, with the renovation? Or at least close to it?
1: Yes made an announcement yesterday they're going to move the students back along the floor in, in a few sections. So that's in, in very part, exciting from a State.
3: Yeah, in, in part. In part. So you're going to have some students that are moved to sideline seats. The rest of it will be the end zone. So that's mm-hmm. good. And with all this, an active offseason with a really good basketball coach in Chris Beard, who is, yeah, they're, they're, they're still kind of waiting on a couple of eligibility issues that probably determines or dictates just how excited you should be about Ole Miss. I talked to somebody. Not academic, by the way, NCAA waiver. Yeah, 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 waivers. Sit out waivers. Hey, Yeah, not academic. I talked to somebody a couple of days ago who has actually been to some of Ole Miss's basketball practices, and they're like, whoa, it's a different deal. More talented, different style. This is going to be fun. So, with that said, here you go. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, both part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Here's what you've got. First night of the, of the event, Tuesday night, November 28th. LSU at Syracuse. Okay. Missouri at Pittsburgh. Mississippi State at sure. Georgia Tech. Headed to McCamish. Atlanta Tuesday night November. Got some state of fans. Ball fans in that area. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Notre Dame at South Carolina. That's a cool draw for South Carolina. Yeah, it is. I mean, regardless of what you think about Notre Dame basketball, that's a brand name coming to your place. There's one that's weird, and it really was funny to hear the Kentucky play- fans complaining about their matchup in the ACC SEC challenge cuz they didn't get a marquee matchup or at least they don't view it as I mean if you had guessed going into this you would have guessed that was Kentucky was either playing Duke or North Carolina they're not
1: I did this morning yeah you
3: did Miami at Kentucky
2: which them complaining yeah. about that's funny because Miami's been a better postseason basketball team than Kentucky lately Jim has done a really good job at Miami. They actually, you know, like get Mm -hmm. to the second day of the NCAA
1: tournament, which. Or the second weekend. You hit on it. Yeah. You hit on it a second ago, though. I mean, it was every year it felt like it was Kentucky versus Kansas. Yeah. And, you know, they finally, I think last year, I think Tennessee played them, but it's like, not. This is smart. This is smart to not give Duke or Carolina to Kentucky right off.
3: And look, Kentucky's still – I mean, nobody feels bad for Kentucky. They're still part of the Champions Classic that rotates between Duke and Carolina and Kansas – or, no, it's Duke, Kansas, Michigan State, and who's the fourth? Kentucky. Yeah. Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and Michigan State. They rotate through that every year. They play in that CBS Sports Classic every year where they, you know, get a big – whatever – Go cry for yourself, Kentucky. Nobody else cares. But because of that, you get a couple of cool matchups. NC State at Ole Miss on Tuesday night, November 28th. 8 o'clock tip-off at the Pavilion.
2: Borky, you said something this morning, and I think it's true. Yeah, there will be more people at that game that went to an Ole Miss game definitely last season and probably for the last two seasons. I don't know if it will be like packed to the rafters, sold out, but it'll be close. There will be a, a, a real crowd at that game in November S- in basketball. Students, students will be
3: there for that one. That's the week after Thanksgiving, so everybody will be back. Students will be packed in like sardines that night. Mm-hmm. You'll be seven or 8,000 anyway if, if you don't get to the full sellout. And then Clemson at Alabama. So that's the first night. The second night, November 29th, a couple of these are really good. Tennessee at North Carolina. Okay, sign me up. That That's cool. That's a good game. Texas A&M at Virginia. That could be a really good game. Florida at Wake Forest. Okay. Boys, this one will be rocking. Duke at Arkansas on a Wednesday night in November with the students in town. There will be be 19,000 people inside Bud Walton Arena for that one. It will be as good an atmosphere as you'll have on any Saturday throughout the entire season.
2: The get-in price to that game might be more than every Arkansas home football game. And before you call me crazy, get-in prices for football games get really, really cheap sometimes because you're sitting way up away from the field where you can barely distinguish between the two teams, especially at a place like uh, Razorback Stadium, which is really tall. I wouldn't be surprised if the get-in price for that basketball game is more than all of their football games this year.
3: Duke at Arkansas on a Wednesday night in November. Virginia Tech at Auburn, that'll be good. Georgia at Florida State, Boston College at Vanderbilt. And look, you you could shuffle these teams around and you'd still have really fun matchups kind of all over the league. And I I just I kind of like that Kentucky gets somebody other than Yes, Carolina or Yes.
1: De- Absolutely. I we mean, should make a point of it. I mean, it would take 14 years, obviously, but everybody should play everybody. Mississippi State and Ole Miss should play Duke and North Carolina in this. Yes.
2: Flex your muscle a little bit, Greg. Do a full rotation.
1: Okay. I mean, that's the way it should be.
2: Well, the ACC TV deal's got 14 years left on
3: it. I mean, just go ahead and, go ahead and We're schedule gone. it out for the next 14. Oh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. So that's the ACC-SEC Basketball Challenge coming up at the end of November. We'll be right back. 1984,
0: 1984. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. <laughs> sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. All right,
3: we've we'll got a basketball question on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Ole Miss has the best basketball facilities. Andy Kennedy, said he Law, look, you can think they're the best or not, doesn't matter. They're really, really good. The pavilion is, by any measurable standard, nice. Like, exceptionally nice. Ole Miss has... Some of the best basketball facilities. Andy Kennedy said he lost players because of the tad pad. Did they tear it down? No. Not only have they not torn it down, by the way, really expensive to tear it down. I think they found that out and it like cheaper to let it stand and use it as a facility. I think cheerleaders use it. They have stuff in there a lot. There's still some offices that are in there. Um I think it's in the long-term plans to tear down. It just hasn't happened yet. But, given the fact that it hasn't actually been torn down, have we talked about this? So, Chris Beard, in each of his previous head coaching stops, has convinced his administration to do a throwback game. And that's not just uniforms. You know, where you wear a uniform from some previous decade and you sell dollar hot dogs. No, they go play in the old building. Now, this has happened to some in college basketball, right? There have been a few occasions where North Carolina left the Dean Dome, the Smith Assembly Center, and they went back to old Carmichael Arena which is where Michael Jordan played. And it's kind of been, it has been maintained almost like a museum. It's a pretty cool building. I think they played an NIT game there a bunch of years ago. North Carolina played some game at Carmichael 10 years ago. But Chris Beard has done this at Texas Tech. I guess he did it at Texas. I don't know if he did it at Little Rock. And though I have not heard anything official, I have not heard an announcement, I have heard considerable rumors and rumblings that this is going to play a game at Tad Smith Coliseum.
1: Gotta check the forecast that day.
3: So here's my question for you. Because I've talked to some people who think it's really, really cool. And I've talked to some people who said you spent a hundred million dollars to build a state-of-the-art basketball facility after complaining for decades about that building that had a leaky roof? Are you going to be sure to take the covers off of the fountains that were in the corners that you used to be? Why are you going back and going to play a game at Tad Smith College? So, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So, I, I throw this out to you. And, again, don't know if this is actually going to happen. I've heard it's going to, but we'll see. Cool? Or, nah, no thanks.
1: If that arena was in better shape, I might say it's cool. But I don't know that it's it's still fit for SEC basketball. That's fine.
3: I mean, it. it, it yeah. there's still a wood gym I mean, floor rains, there. You... Yeah. They fixed the leak in the roof. Come on,
1: uh, did they? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. State. It's funny. State just tore down the old gym that uh, they played in back in the fifties and sixties. So they just tore it down like recently. Well, and if you know so anything, about, if you're getting an idea for Tad Smith, you know, twenty forty or something should come down.
2: Yeah, you could make that really fun. And I know they spent a bunch of money on the basketball arena, but if you're playing in, like, it depends on who your opponent is too, right? I mean, I, I forget the the schedules that they released off the top of my head, but you, you don't want Florida that the Florida game going on in the no pad no pad. no no you're
3: not doing this but, for an SEC
2: game no but no. if it's like nah. South Alabama or, or whatever yes. you could you can make fun. it to where all the music is from the year 2000 and find an old T-shirt design oh, no, no, no. that that you gave out to the era further back. or whatever I just you know you pick an era mm. whatever your favorite era is. When your athletic director was wearing high socks and playing basketball, you know, pick your era. And that's
1: exactly what they should do. What you you just said it. They should pick like that mid nineties when Ole Miss was really good and Keith Carter was on the team. That's when they that's what the they should do those uniforms. It, it, and can that, you make enough novelty
3: era. around it that it really nineties cool night? Me. Yeah. So so, so yeah. if you do this, if you do this, you got to do it all the way. All the way. You got to put mm-hmm. somebody yeah. up on the catwalk. That's running along the edge, knocking the, the red and blue the, the red and blue streamers that have got to come off.
1: Uh, there you go.
3: Yes. If, if if there is a mascot to speak of, I I don't know if there is or isn't no, at this point anymore. No, no, and, no, no,
1: no, no, no. Hold on. Don't get to that.
3: Hold on. I, I know you can't bring Colonel Reb back. I'm, I'm and I'm not advocating for a second that you did, but there was a time in that window where the guy that wore the mascot costume for Ole Miss was an ROTC member, and so they would knock the streamers off the catwalk, and this was mm-hmm. when Ole Miss was good. I mean, it was sold out. They would bring the basketball team down through the student section onto the floor, and the mascot at the time was Colonel Rev, and he would rappel from the catwalk and would stop about halfway down, and, you know, like pump his arm and wave it. And it was I was deafening in there when all that was going They couldn't turn the lights off. They were like the old high yeah.
2: school gym lights that took 15 minutes to warm up. They, they do make harnesses uh, that that are pretty stable, so you can get juice on one of those cords and lower him down about halfway. and no. That that, that, that you
3: know, Porky, no. <laughs> I might be I might be on the, on Peter's team on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's no good.
2: But yeah, go all out, man. Find old T shirts that you passed that, yeah, out with works. old '90s designs and put those on every seats. Every seat. Can we
1: get? And yeah, can, can we get some Rod Squad T shirts up in there? Can, can we find those?
2: Ooh, ooh. See, now we're cooking with gas here.
3: Yes. Uh All right. So so here we go. Dan says, in Hattiesburg, says, if you do it, make it the game against State.
1: You nah, can even get... play the old cow music y'all used to play when uh, we were there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> they, when, when, when somebody
1: would foul Thought out. I forgot, from, didn't you?
3: When somebody yeah. would foul out from the other team, they, they always played hit the road jack. Yeah. I mean, the second that fifth foul got, they'd hit it. Turn, 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 turn. <laughs> the whole place going on it. Uh, let's see here. Um... It's cool. It's the same reason you take the old John boat out fishing when you bought a new 30-footer. Nostalgia. Um, all the court lights in Tadpad are LEDs now. They are. Yeah, they switch the lights. I mean, they can actually flip the lights off now. Um, Michael in Athens, Alabama says, I have such great memories as a kid growing up in Oxford of watching games at the Tadpad. It's a great idea.
1: I love the idea. It's great. I idea. like anything that's got a little retro, a little... little Makes me feel young again because gosh knows I need it. So,
3: I see. I actually think that you could take a game that wasn't going to draw a great crowd in mm-hmm. November bring, or December. Yeah. You've got yeah. to do this while the students are still in town. You, you have to. Yeah. It's got to be before they leave for the break. Can't do it for a conference game, I don't think. So you you roll it back, and it's a late November, early December home game. And yeah. you can take a night where you were gonna have forty five hundred maybe at a game and all of a sudden you got seven thousand?
1: Yeah. Exactly.
3: And seven thousand in Tad Smith is It's deafening. loud. It's loud.
1: It's loud. I've been there, yeah. Been there many times. So I can I can work around the the one curse word in the story. Do do we, have we ever told the David Brandt, Andy Kennedy, Tad pad story on this show? If we have it's one of the funniest stories you can roll it back. Okay, Brant has two really great stories, one about Houston Nutt, one about Andy Kennedy. He's he's talking to Kennedy and they're on the court of the, of the Tad Pad. And they're just walking he's doing an interview with him for for a feature. and He's like, "So coach, you know, what are some of the the challenges of recruiting here at Old Miss?" is basically his question. And Andy stops. And he looks up, he says, "David, do you, do you see that light up there?" And David says, "Yeah." That's the bleepin' sky! <laughs> that story cracks me up every time he tells it. It's such a good story. Yeah.
2: yeah they could really go all uh, out and have UAB play in the Tad Pad against Old Miss for that game.
1: Okay, now you're cooking with real gas. If you bring Annie Kennedy back to the Tad Pad... Now, now you got something. Or that's he might worth be so mad through.
2: it might drum up some terrible memories about how he would take recruits, and recruits would be in town, and would intentionally make sure they never actually looked at that place to try to get them to sign. <laughs> he he told me, and I, I don't think he was joking.
3: He said we would take them, and he would. He's like we, we couldn't take them to the mall because the mall didn't exist, or what was there. I mean, it was like you know, there was like a TJ Maxx and a old movie theater in there. I mean, he's like. We can't go show them the mall. We obviously can't show them the building in which we play. At that point, they were starting to talk about building a new building. And he said, so we would drive along Highway 7 where there was construction going on in that new neighborhood. It's where Oxford Commons is. Now he's said, like, yeah, out there, that's where we're building the new new facility. So we're going to try and, you know, nothing to see out there right now, but that's where it's being built, see all the construction. And then they'd go show them pr- the practice facility.
0: We'll be back. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm.
3: Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, and Super Talk TV, great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, how
1: would you describe today's show? bit of a, a potpourri? Fun, man. It's been fun. It's been fun. I'm enjoying myself.
3: Would it be fun to you, Mr. Haydad, if we continued the countdown of 100 teams in 100
0: days?
1: Absolutely. This day
0: is bananas. B A N A N A S. This day is bananas.
1: 100 teams in 100
0: days. Get ready. Three.
3: Team number 66 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, Pennsylvania State University. (music) The Pennsylvania State University, though they're not as anal about that as the Ohio State University. Good band, Michael Borky? you give the Penn State band much credit? Uh, Yes, they're very good.
2: And that place... You've been to a game there, right? I have. It was a night game against Ohio State. I I think it was the first whiteout, but either way, it was a whiteout game. And, you know, I've been to college football games. I've been to big stadiums. I have yet to uh, be graced with the pleasure of spending a Saturday night in Tiger Stadium. I'm sure that's wonderful. But... (gasps) oh, oh, oh. Really? Never seen a game there. I've been to Rouge. I've spent a weekend you know hanging out at LSU, did not go to a football game there though. I've seen it, been around it, hung out in town, never we're going to We're
1: going next year. We're going next year. Oh the no miss or both. We're going. Would absolutely love to. Uh, All right, Borky, do you remember taking, what you were taking days off went, going?
2: I think it was two thousand seven. Okay, so the first wideout game was
3: two thousand two. That it was not the first one. Listen to this. So in 2002, leading up to a much-hyped game against Nebraska, there was a fear that a sea of red would overtake the stands in Beaver Stadium. Remember, Nebraska fans travel like crazy. An email began to be circulated amongst Penn State fans to both wear blue to the game and not sell their tickets to Cornhusker fans. Dubbed, Operation Visine. To get the red out, the precursor to the modern whiteout worked, as there was not only a record attendance, most of whom were Penn State fans, but the Nittany Lions upset number seven Nebraska, forty to seven. Two thousand five. Sorry, was the one I went to. So in two thousand four, to try and draw excitement for the team in what was a down year for the program. They asked students to wear white to the upcoming game against Purdue. Over 20,000 students participated, and despite losing the game, it was deemed a success. Students were asked to do it again the following game against Iowa in what is considered to be one of the program's worst outings ever. (laughs) It became less popular because of that. They made a final attempt for the final game of the season against Michigan State. They changed the strategy to... Code blue. Penn State won the game and they decided to carry the tradition forward. And so the whiteout was cemented in 2005 with an upset win over rival Ohio State. Yeah, that was the one. Second largest crowd in Beaver Stadium history at the time. And the whiteout was born.
2: Yeah. So I've. I, it really is cool. It's it's really cool, and I was at the Ole Miss-South Carolina game uh, the, that Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I, I've been to Tuscaloosa, I've been to Athens, I've been all over. I've never experienced such violence in crowd noise in my life. And I guess it gets to a point where loud is loud and you can't get much louder, but man, it, it was one of those you really can't hear yourself think kind of atmospheres. It was unbelievable. The town's okay. Tailgating scene's horrible. Inside that stadium, though, it was absolutely insane, unlike anything I've experienced before. I don't know if this is
3: breaking news or not, but I'm not the biggest fan in the history of the world of James Franklin, the head football coach at Pennsylvania State University. And yet, I will recognize that he has been quite successful. 78-36 and in his career. What he did at Vanderbilt is incredible. Six games in year number one with a loss in the Liberty Bowl, six wins. And then back-to-back nine-win seasons with wins in Nashville and Birmingham. I mean, nothing like Vanderbilt going 8-4 and and getting to play a bowl game in their own home city and another bowl game in Birmingham at the Old Gray Lady. But, hey good for the nine win seasons. But Penn State they've never won even their division outright. In 2 in, in 2016 they went 11 and 3 overall, lost in the Rose Bowl, 8 and 1 in conference, and they tied for first in the East. Outside of that, they finished 6th, 4th, tied for first, tied for second, 3rd, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 3rd. And Penn State this year is picked 3rd in the Big Ten East. They went 11-2 and last year. Their losses were on the road to Michigan, 41-17, and home to Ohio State, 44-31. And they are picked to finish behind Michigan and Ohio State by Phil Steele. Who, by the way, does project Michigan to win the Big Ten East this year. Um... What do you think of when you think Big Ten football? I'm, I'm sorry, when you think Penn State football?
2: It's still Joe Paterno. Yeah. Mm.
3: First thing that pops to mind for me is uniforms. Uniforms. And then yeah, the, the name Paul yeah.
2: Puzlesny, because he was a menace the yeah. time I saw him in person. But, yeah. It, the, the LeVar Leap. They have not yet. I don't know if shed the legacy is the right word, but... Yeah, that's still
1: very much. They never. They never will. Yeah, they never will. Is it still a legacy? Now, on, anytime you think about Penn State, it's, yes, in their mind, every time, every time. Oh, you don't know, No, the, the bad legacy is what I'm talking about. They'll never shed that. No, but
2: yeah. that the, there are a, a large, very, very, very large sum of Penn State people that still to this day maintain his innocence. And you can't move on if that's oh oh what you not do. just
3: not just overlook his transgressions but maintain his innocence huh yeah yeah okay
2: there was a fight to try to get his statue back put up yeah
1: yeah mm-hmm. can't do that
2: I mean I, I got a
1: buddy just no. texted
3: me he said you know the the one thing that that immediately pops to mind is, is Sandusky yeah. The story's too wild for him to ever forget it. But that will forever be the first thing that he thinks of when it comes to Penn State. I agree. Penn State opens this year with West Virginia and Delaware at home. They go to Illinois. They host Iowa, which is the wideout game this year. They go to Northwestern before an open date. Then it's UMass and a non-conference game at Ohio State on October 21st. Indiana at Maryland hosting Michigan November 11th. Rutgers, and then they will play Michigan State at Ford Field in Detroit. On Friday, November twenty fourth, the
2: day after Thanksgiving, I still can't get over how soft that is. That 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 is so incredibly soft that they're playing at Ford it, it Field it, in Detroit, and it was supposed to be a home game for Penn State, right?
1: No, Michigan, oh, State. Michigan State. It was
2: supposed to be Michigan State's home game.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, but
2: the network told them to play it at night, and no, can't can't play football games at night. It's cold. Or something like that. You know what the
3: audience would be for a game at East Lansing on the Friday after Thanksgiving? For Penn State and Michigan State? Good.
2: Spectacular! Send that to Detroit instead, buddy. I mean, like, did they not know that people ski? Like, people that live in Michigan go skiing
3: in the winter where they have snow and wind. People hunt in the winter. It's not like the entire Upper Peninsula hibernates for, you know, four months of the year. Yeah,
2: Those people are prepared for weather like that. They have the clothes. And East Lansing's a much bigger place than the ones we're talking about, but could you imagine what the locals in Oxford and Starkville would think if randomly Keith Carter and Zach Selman were like, hey, we're just going to, you know this home game that you guys were going to have? Just going to send it, to New Orleans instead. It'd be devastating.
3: Devastating for the local community in
2: Oxford. I would think in Starkville as well. But they want to play the national championship game in an outdoor venue up there. The same people that say that that should happen also move a game to Ford Field because it's too cold. Lansing, Michigan.
3: Like I was giving them credit. I don't know why I thought it was Upper Peninsula. It's like two hours from Ann Arbor. Two hours west of Detroit. Just play the game at home, you morons.
0: Our sports talk, Mississippi. Let's hey, go talk. Sports talk, Mississippi. Well, say something. Super talk, Mississippi. <laughs>
3: I did uh, a little bit of research during the uh, commercial interlude there. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. The historical average temperature, high and low for the 24th day of November in East Lansing, Michigan, 43-30. and 30. You're giving up a home football game because you don't want to play in 30 degrees? Okay. I mean, I guess the Michigan State fans, on what is a holiday for most, can make a fairly easy drive over over to Detroit. You know, whatever. But somehow it feels like playing at Ford Field is not going to be quite the same home field advantage as playing... In your stadium, it's just me though. Um, all right, so Penn State picked to finish third in the Big Ten East. Are they finish in higher or lower than that, or is that just right? Just right, just right. You don't think Maryland passes Josh, them? P-
1: I talked to Josh Pate uh, earlier this week, and he said mm-hmm. he thinks they're they're a real horse in that race that they can. I uh, know he doesn't know if they can he can they can overcome Michigan and Ohio State, but. He says they're a legit contender.
3: Uh, Returning running back, who was really good. Nicholas Singleton had over 1,000 yards last year. Catron Allen had over 867, or 800 over, sorry, he rushed for 867 yards. Those two guys combined for almost 1,900 yards, a little over, and 22 touchdowns on the ground. Sean Clifford, who is the all-time leading passer in Penn State history, is gone after, uh, what, a decade and a half as the quarterback at Penn State. And Drew Aller. Is set to take over. Expected to be the uh, the starter. Tenth year for James Franklin at Penn State. He's making ten million dollars a year also to be the head coach at the Pennsylvania State University.
1: Overpader. It's a little more than three hundred grand a week. Yeah, it is. Um probably a little overpaid. I mean have they won a Big Ten title since he's been there? No. And won their division, and then yeah, overpay. Yeah. yeah, but they, I mean, I, I can, whoever wins that division is winning the Big Ten nine times out of ten. Sure,
2: they're going to be awfully thankful they? that they're getting rid of divisions. There, uh, he did win the Big Ten in twenty sixteen. By the way, tied for it. Okay, but yeah, did they play in the title game? They'd... Did they?
3: Because they they did go to the Rose Bowl that year, so I guess they won. Who did they beat? In that 2016,
1: I remember. Penn State, here we go. Wisconsin. They beat Wisconsin. I don't remember
3: anything about that game. All right, so there you go. It was a good game, it looks like. We got one Big Ten title. Tied for first in the East, won the tiebreaker, went to the championship game, beat Wisconsin, went to the Rose Bowl, and lost. 2016 was a long time ago.
1: That was a great game, that 2016 Egg Bowl, Bowl, Rose Bowl.
3: Who did they play that year?
1: USC. USC beat them. Darnold had that ridiculous game. They went back and forth. Yeah.
3: The sun setting over the San Gabriel Mountains. There you go. All right, that's Penn State. Team number 66 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Their most famous alum, not infamous, but famous, is?
1: Uh, We're going to go Keegan Michael Key, Gene Kelly, good choice, Ty Burrell. All of our mothers and grandmothers would know who John Aniston is. Do you know who that is? From uh, Days of Our Lives. That's right. He was Victor Kariakis. Very Are good. You, you tell Are you ple you, yes. you, you, you 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 got it. Yes. Grandma oh, would be proud man. of you. You were watching the stories.
0: Wow. Yes. wow. A
1: lot of good choices for uh, for Penn State, as you might imagine. So. Mm.
3: yeah. Okay. Check off another one. That's uh Penn State. Tomorrow, team number sixty-five. As we continue to count down to the start of the college football season. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Michael Borky is wearing a Genteel Apparel shirt. Yes, sir. I am wearing a Genteel Apparel shirt. If you happen to be watching on Super Talk TV, that is decidedly not a Genteel Apparel shirt. You cannot find that hideous (laughs) thing in the collegiate collection from Genteel Apparel.
1: I mean, I hate on my Giants polo. Dude, you got like you
3: got like worn... shoulder stripes on your on your golf shirt.
1: Today. I haven't worn this. I haven't worn this polo since January of 2020, all right? It just now fits again. Okay. Don't, don't don't hate on my polo.
0: Oh,
3: congratulations on being able to fit into the ugly shirt again. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I'm going to tell Joel <laughs> Coleman you said this. He got it for me.
3: Well, yeah. Um Check out Gentile online at gentileapparel.com, the collegiate collection. Great looking merchandise that even Brian Haydad will vouch for. Get those small logos, great feeling, great fitting, and uh, something you'll really enjoy. You can also find Gentile at men's specialty stores across the state of Mississippi. Gentile, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you 5 o'clock hour. College football fix coming up next.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi.
3: O'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thank you for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18 hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can play them, they are reasonably priced, they are spectacular golf courses, and you can book your tea time online at Dancing Rabbit Golf. Dot com, or just check out PearlRiverResort.com. You can join us, if you would like, on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge. The gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. You can also get fiber to the home from C Spire. Learn more online at CSpire.com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, and you. Glad to uh, be with you this afternoon. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Welcome to BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. All right, we got to talk about this just for a second. Bjorky, Bjorkie, Bjorkie. See what I did there?
1: The sweetest chef in the house.
3: You see what I did there. So, yesterday, I sent Borky this uh, this link on Twitter. Was like, I, I assume that you have seen this, and it's um, a tweet from Ross Dellinger. In a memo obtained by Sports Illustrated, the NCAA strongly clarifies its NIL policy by warning schools that one. They must follow NCAA rules even if they conflict with state laws. And two, entities such as school foundations are prohibited from NIL and offering donor incentives for NIL giving. And the reason that I said Bjorky, Bjorki, Bjorky is because, um, well, Ross Bjork kind of fired back yesterday on, uh, on, on Twitter. I guess it was a quote. And, you know, if you want to go back to earlier this month, there was a tweet from Ross Bjork that said, we appreciate Greg Abbott, Texas, that's the governor of Texas, signing the revised NIL bill and appreciate leadership in the Texas House and Senate to make the proper revisions to modernize in this era of allowing our athletes to maximize their potential. Until there are national standards, this is the pathway.
1: This is the way.
3: The NCAA said no. No, this is not the way. They sent out a, a Q&A. And one of the questions that they asked was some current and proposed state laws appear to now prohibit the NCAA from enforcing its rules. What is the NCAA's position on its approach when an institution in one of those states violates NCAA legislation? Answer. NCAA rules are adopted by member schools. It is not fair to those schools who follow the rules to not enforce rules against those who choose not to do so. Schools who do not like the application of a particular rule should work through the NCAA governance uh, process to change the rule. Unless and until membership changes a particular rule, all schools, as part of a voluntary membership, are required to comply." Ross Bjork yesterday told ESPN, quote, the state law is going to govern how we do business. In terms of this, the state law will reign, and that is how we will move forward, close quote. Feels like we've got ourselves a good old West standoff.
2: Well, and this might between get...
3: Between an NCAA memo
2: and the tough-talking Texan Ross Bjork. Yeah, very, very tough. <clears throat> Was uh, was his tenure at Ole Miss for sure, uh, but oh, it was tough. All right, tough for Ole Miss. It certainly was. Uh, thanks to anyway, when you had LSU dead to rights, in that the LSU case was not one of controversy. Everybody agreed that what Will Wade did was shady and against the rules. There's not a single person that would argue that Will Wade wasn't stupid and reckless in what he did. And there's not a single person that would argue that getting caught red-handed and the guy going to prison and the same guy had a direct line of communication with the head football coach, using his children's hospital charity that he managed to funnel money to football players is immoral. Like... They could have shot LSU to the moon and not a single person would have been like, you know what, I don't agree. It was clear as day. They could have done it. They could have hammered a big, big, big brand in college sports. And everybody would have clapped for them after they did it. And instead, they gave them nothing and now want to pretend like they have rules that they have to enforce? I mean, of course Ross Bjork said that. If I'm Keith Carter, I see that memo, I laugh. If I'm Zach Selman, I see that memo, I laugh. And I tell my collectives, go pay them. Talk to them. Doesn't matter. It's Probably not what they would say to them, but that was the message that was sent from the NCAA. Actions, speaking louder than words. You know, thing that my dad taught me when I was nine. The NCAA could learn a thing or two about that.
3: Do you guys... Remember the initial venue for the O'Bannon case? Didn't it start in California?
1: Probably because, I mean, that O'Bannon played at UCLA.
3: I mean, it ended up in the Supreme Court. So if we are assuming, let's just play this out. The NCAA says, Texas A&M, you're cheating. And we're going to penalize you. And here are your penalties. And Texas A&M says, no, you're not, because we're following state law, and we are now suing you for trying to level penalties against us. Do you know where that jurisdiction would lie? It would lie in the state of Texas, assuming that's the venue where Texas A&M filed its claim. Now, the NCAA would try to have it moved. They probably wouldn't win. And so they would lose in the state of Texas, and it would go through the appeals process, and would probably end up in the Supreme Court once again where the NCAA would once again get slapped after spending 30 to $50 million in legal fees to try and try the case. Texas A&M is going to do what it wants to do. I do have a, a question. It's a question that a buddy of mine texted me and probably some of you are asking as well. Where was this screw you NCAA mentality for Ross Bjork? 10 years ago, 7 years ago, 5 years ago, whatever the time frame is. Where, Where was this defiant attitude of no, no, and if we have to fight you all the way to the Supreme Court, we'll do it, as opposed to, hey, everybody, turn in your cell phones, let's check these out. I've said it 100 times. I'm sorry, we don't have the cell phones. Why not? We had a staff retreat, storm blew up on Sardis Lake, flipped the boat over, and all the phones are on the bottom of the lake. You're welcome to go drudge the lake for them if you'd like. Well, we're just going to subpoena Ceasefire for the phone records. Oh, really? Are you? Okay. I'm sure C Spire, a private company in the state of Mississippi, is going to be more than happy to turn over. Oh, wait, hold on a second. You don't have subpoena power, do you? There you go. And can we talk about what not turning over phone records to the NCAA that ultimately got leaked through a Freedom of Information Act request? What what, what Ole Miss could have saved itself? I don't dislike Ross Bjork. I've always gotten along with him. Fine. But my goodness, what an about face. What an about face for an athletics director. From kowtowing to every request from the NCAA in the name of exemplary cooperation to, hmm, nope, come on, let's fight. Tyler and Corinth says resources breed confidence. I guess. I guess there are enough resources to fight. And look, maybe Ross Bjork was just doing the bidding of Dan Jones at the time. Maybe he had no choice. Maybe. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll get into the overachieve, underachieve conversation for Mississippi State when we come back.
0: You're number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi.
3: conversation started yesterday, overachieving and underachieving. The the basis was we will take the Vegas over-under for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We will add or subtract a game and a half to get what would represent overachieving, what would represent underachieving. The Vegas total for Mississippi State in 2023, most places, is six and a half wins. And so overachieving would be an eight-win season in Zach Arnett's first full year as the head coach at Mississippi State. Underachieving would be a five-win season. So eight or more would be overachieving, overachie- five or less would be underachieving. And the idea that Borky came up with yesterday was give me three reasons why they overachieve this year, three reasons why they underachieve this year. If they hit eight or more, or five or less. We did that with Ole Miss yesterday. Hey, Dad, let's do that with Mississippi State today, and let's start with the positive. If Mississippi State overachieves in 2013, these are the three reasons why.
1: All of their new starters in the secondary hit. I got to start there because that's where you have the most questions on the entire team, in my opinion. You know, you got to replace Emmanuel Forbes, who was a first round pick, but you're also replacing three starting safeties: Jackie Matthews, Jalen Green, and uh, and uh, Colin Duncan, all gone. Now you've hit the portal really hard the past few years for guys in the secondary, and so those guys are going to have to step up. But but when you look at State's roster, you know, you know what you've got with Rogers with Marks. You know they've got depth at receiver. They return four starters on the offensive line, Crumby, Pickering, Demonte Russell on the defensive line. Johnson and, and Watson on the line. Our linebackers are back. It's all about the secondary for Mississippi State. So if they they aren't good there, they're going to struggle. So if they're over, if their eight wins are over, it means those guys guys like Corey Ellington, Jordan Morant, Kamari Rogers, Jacoby Albert, they all have to hit. Okay.
3: I think my first reason would be Mississippi State went 4-2 in its toss-up games. Now, you can debate what the toss-up games are, but in this scenario, if we're we're talking eight or more wins, that means they won their four non-conference games. Southeastern Louisiana, Arizona, Western Michigan, Mm -hmm. Southern Miss. Yeah. so, so is, You can't
1: really debate who the toss-up games are, by the way. You really can't. It's, it's, I, it's, I would it's say there's, easy.
3: Yeah, I would say there's six. Yeah. South Carolina,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Now, you might debate whether Texas A&M is a toss-up game depending on how you feel about Texas A&M this year. But depending on how you feel about them this year, but recent history would tell you that is absolutely a toss-up game. Results yep. on the field, and so State went 4-2 and two in those six games. Now, I know this is not exactly like an on-the-field or a personnel-based reason why they overachieved, but I think it's a reason or, or, or would be why they overachieved. The combination of A&M in Kentucky and Auburn and Arkansas and Ole Miss and South Carolina – netted four wins for Mississippi State. Is that doable? Sure. Is it likely? I don't know. I mean, if you if you've get six toss-up games, you might say the likelihood is you go three and three, which right. would still have you over, but wouldn't, I mean, I don't know that a seven-win season, certainly for this conversation, but really in any conversation, I'm not sure that you would call a seven-win season for Mississippi State an overachieving year.
1: No, I would not.
3: But if you went four of those six to get to eight, okay, that was that was the reason you overachieved. Yeah, I agree.
2: G- Going to steal one of mine from yesterday because Mississippi State's implementing the tight end position. Hey, Dad, I already mentioned the secondary. The portal guy got a hit. So the brand yeah. for, for Mississippi State football has not been transfer portal heavy in the same way their in-state rival is, but uh, you're adding a pair of tight ends. And in fairness to the Georgia transfer, uh, look at who's in front of them. But neither of them have uh, been expected to produce a- at a high level. They're they're coming from big programs. Again, one's coming from Georgia, and look at who's in front of them. Can you blame them for not playing much? Uh, but they have to come in, they got to play well, and they got to produce. And they weren't with the team in the spring. And you're also depending on a transfer-wide receiver uh, as well to give you something after you lose three uh, of your four leading receivers. So those offensive portal guys... Have got to hit, and if they do, they can certainly overachieve, especially offensively.
1: Like that, I'll give you one more, and we'll we'll, we'll do a fourth one here. So, I, and you may not even be aware. Well, of you this, get three, but yeah, you, you get three. You get three. Okay. Oh, 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 I, oh, I get three. Okay. So last year, Rodgers was not good on the road. He was good. He was good enough against Arizona. Played pretty well in that game, but LSU, Kentucky, Alabama, and Ole Miss, even in game state, one, Rodgers was not good in any of those games. The year before that, he was outstanding on the road. He played really well in the three wins against Texas A&M, against Auburn, against Vanderbilt, and even the two road losses against Memphis and, um, and uh, oh gosh, Arkansas. He played really well in those games. Was over 400 yards passing in both of them. Got to have that Will Rodgers. Got to have the Will Rodgers who knows how to play and win on the road. And if you have that guy, because your biggest, your all your your, your toss up games that you just mentioned, four of those six are on the road. You got to be able to win on the road in the SEC if you want to have a good season. He's got to find a way to win a few of those games.
2: So
3: one of the reasons Mississippi State, if they overachieve this year, will be because there was no drop off in what they did defensively with a new defensive coordinator in Matt Brock taking over for a guy whose sole focus, sole focus, with very little oversight was the defense previously in Zach Arnett when he served as the defensive coordinator under Mike Leach. Is Zach Arnett still going to have his fingerprints on the defense? Yes. Is he still going to be involved with defensive game planning? Maybe even play calling in terms of building a call sheet and what they're going to do defensively during games. Of course, he is. But that is not his sole responsibility anymore. He's got an entire program to run, an entire program to oversee. And that was a good defense for Mississippi State last year. And without that defense, they don't win the Egg Bowl. They played really well defensively against Ole Miss last year. There may be a couple of other games, dad, that you point to that you say without the defensive performance that they had, they don't win that game. And so mm-hmm. if State overachieves this year, then they didn't really have a drop-off. There was not a loss of continuity with the transition from defensive coordinator going to head coach and new defensive coordinator inserted.
1: Yeah, I mean you're absolutely correct.
3: And let, let me just tag my third one onto that because it's kind of along the same lines. Generally speaking, when you change offensive systems, it takes a little while. And, and there's some dramatic um, instances of that. right? When Georgia Tech goes from a triple option offense to more of a pro style multiple offense, it really took a while to the point that they changed coaches last offseason. Because it just didn't work. This is not that dramatic a shift, but going from the air raid to a more traditional offense, and I know Zach Arnett's told us that, you know, there are a lot of principles that are still going to be in place. We understand that, but it's still a change. When Mississippi State went from a traditional pro style offense that was run heavy into the air raid system, there were growing pains. Like right out of the gate, it looked awesome against LSU, and then not so much after that. Because defense has changed along the way. And so the transition for Mississippi State offensively this year with Kevin Barbe coming in to be the offensive coordinator was a smooth one in which the offense didn't really take a step back. It may have looked different, from, a, but from a production standpoint, it it stayed the same or close to it. And if that happens we look up at the end of the year, we go, well, it's part of the reason they overachieved. They made a smooth transition to a different style of offense from what they were doing. And, and and not being disrespectful when I say this, Zach Arnett can say whatever he wants to about an offensive system. It's going to look different offensively this year for Mississippi State than it has for the last few years of Mike Leach calling plays. It just is.
1: Yeah. Just, I mean, from a formation standpoint, there's going to be a tight end on the field. There's going to be some more two-back sets. I mean, it's just going to look different.
2: Guys that still run the air raid don't look the same as Mike Leach's air raid. <laughs> 100%. And Lincoln Riley's a disciple, mm-hmm. and USC doesn't look the same. So is Dana Holgerson.
1: Bruce Feldman did an, Bruce Feldman did an article today talking to defensive coaches who coach under air raid coaches. Didn't talk to Arnett. I felt like that was a miss. That is a miss. Like How do you not talk to the guy who just took over from Mike Leach? I, I don't get that.
3: Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll continue this conversation on the other side of this break in the Pearl River Resort Studios. This is Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: It's time to get real. Real Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: guest today. Kendall Rogers is going to join us tomorrow from D1 Baseball to wrap up the 2023 baseball season. He will join us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borkey. If you want to join the conversation, you can jump on the ceasefire text line at 601-879- 4395. 601-879- 4395. Were we missing any of the overachieve options for Mississippi State? If the Bulldogs are going to overachieve this year, then this happened? I think we're good. Yeah, yes? I think we're good. Okay. Yeah, sounds like it. All right. So yeah. the underachieved number for Mississippi State for the purposes of this conversation is five or less. Vegas odds said at six and a half wins for Mississippi State. You go one and a half under that, we're at five. Mississippi State only wins five games. It was an underachieving season. I don't think anybody would debate that, especially coming off a nine-win season a year ago. So, hey, Dad, if Mississippi State underachieves this year, these are the three reasons why.
1: The you know, first one's really easy: either Will Rogers can't run the offense, or he gets hurt. It's as simple as that. State, if, if Rogers isn't good to go, then State's not winning a bunch of games. It just it's just that simple. Mike Wright can't run the offense the way you want. Chris Parson is not ready to run this offense. Will Rogers has to be the guy from day 1 and play at a high level from day 1. Yeah. Because
2: you know, when you call something a quarterback friendly system, it's not fair to the quarterback because you still have to execute and throw the passes and throw the touchdowns and and do everything. But Mike Leach's air raid is as quarterback friendly as an offense could possibly be. I mean, there's a reason. Look at all the records that his quarterbacks put up and then what they didn't do at the next level. Mike Leach was able, in his past, was able to make average, in some cases, below-average quarterbacks put up crazy numbers. It just The system was just so very friendly to quarterbacks. I don't think that Will Rogers is a below-average ability quarterback. That's not what I'm saying, but... Can he handle more because he is going to be asked to do more than he was a year ago? Can he do that? If that answer is no, are you winning with not good quarterback play in the SEC? Well, no. No. Okay. What's number
1: two? I mean, mean, it might just be the inverse of what my number one was for the – Reasons they are good is that their second the secondary gives them problems. I, I I believe in the front six or could end up being. You know, I, I he said it might be a front six either way. But the Arnett said he might look at a little more four two five this year than, than he has in years past, which is interesting. That's you know, a guy you know he's not a, he's a three three five coach. We always talk about Leach being married to the air raid. You thought Arnett might be married to the three 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 five, maybe not. But if if Kamari Rogers or Asias Ferge can't be. You know, they don't have to be Emmanuel Forbes. They don't have to be a first-round pick, but they've got to, they got to be somebody you can't pick on over there, too. And if those safeties, you know, nobody steps up to fill those roles, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are up front, there's going to be guys open in the secondary. So State has got to have those guys play well. If they, if they don't, then it's going to be a really long season.
3: Do those guys in the back end of the defense, catch a little bit of a break or have a little bit more wiggle room because of what you think the front six or front seven is going to be able to do?
1: Yeah, because you would think they're, they're going to generate pressure and, then, and they should be able to do that. And so that gives you some opportunities there. But at the same time, you know, if the quarterback looks up and he's like, i gotta, oh, I got to throw quick, but that quick read is open, yeah. then what are you going to do? Sure.
3: Well, and the SEC is too talent-rich to not have offenses. Yeah. yeah. Not be able to take advantage of an incomplete defense. Yes. All right, yes. so what's number three?
1: You know, you look at the offensive line, they bring back four starters there. You know, the only spot that the starter's not there is is center. But Cole Smith has played center for Mississippi State, and it looks like he's going to regain that job and move back in from guard. But, you know, we, we all remember how painful the transition was from what Moorhead and Mullen ran to the air raid and how State had trouble blocking three with five. There'll be a transition again. Now I f- happen to think that you know these are mi- most for the most part these are Mississippi kids who grew up running the football their whole high school careers and they were recruited for the most part to run the football by Mullen or Moorhead. You know, it's not there's only a couple of guys that Leach recruited in here. So, you know, I think they should be able to make that transition. Run blocking at the end of the day is is mostly just leverage and power. You know, I hate to simplify it because it's not 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 that anybody can do it, but it's it's more it's less complicated than pass blocking is. And so, if, but if they're not able to make that transition, if this, if they, if they can't control the line of scrimmage, if they can't help at the point of attack, then it's going to be a tr- it's going to be trouble for Mississippi State because Marks is not a back who's like a, I'm to use the most extreme example, Derrick Henry, who can just you know break tackles and and, and run over guys. Marks is a guy who you know he's a one cut runner. He's a guy who gets out of the open field and he's dangerous. But you got to give him that hold, that little bur- that he can burst through to get started.
3: So let's look at the schedule for a second and paint a picture where it doesn't go well. This is not Richard being negative about Mississippi State. That's the point of the exercise here because we talked about a best-case scenario where if you take the six toss-up games and Mississippi State goes 4-2 and in those six toss-up games and they win their four non-conference games, you're sitting at eight wins and everybody feels good about the season. you got to start with a non-conference game you got to start with Arizona in week two. Jason, who lives in the state of Arizona but is from Mississippi, was touting Arizona and Jed Fish a year ago, and he says the pucker factor was high in that game in start or in in Tucson a year ago until Mississippi State got the pick six return for touchdown and kind of opened things up. But it's is this year three or year two for Jed Fish at Arizona. Year three. It's year three.
1: Year three.
3: You got a returning quarterback with some experience. And, you know, so, so so there's one. If that doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. And then LSU, which was not a toss-up game, in the ones we were talking about earlier, that goes that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. South Carolina can be a hard place to win on the road. You don't win that mm-hmm. one.
1: Yeah. You, in this scenario, you could be one and four at the end of the first month. Yeah. Because Alabama's that fifth game.
3: And, and then it gets hard, right? I mean, you've got Western Michigan mixed in. You feel like that's a win. We don't know what Southern Miss is going to look like as they go through the season. And that's not a roster. It's a good roster, and it's a roster that is built to compete in the Sun Belt and maybe even Mm -hmm. push for a Sun Belt title. But it is not a roster that is built to go on the road in an SEC stadium and win. And yet, in-state, rivalry, maybe playing with some confidence, if Mississippi State has yeah, not played well and the record doesn't look good at that point, I mean, like you, you can get there.
1: The intangibles, yeah are, are, yeah, are what's at play there. But,
3: I mean, losing to Arkansas in Fayetteville, not impossible. Not impossible. Losing on the road at the end of October to Auburn. It's a place that Mississippi mm-hmm. State has played pretty well through the years. has got some dramatic some wins. But losing at Auburn mm-hmm. is not, like, unheard of. Right. The home team in the Kentucky-Mississippi State series has dominated. I think losing that game is one that would be a surprise. But Kentucky, I mean, what's Devin Leary going to look like at quarterback? You know, Texas A&M. In College Station? In College Station. In November. They've quarterback that LSU season. last year. That happened. Yeah. In, in yeah. that venue. I think they, look, they, you, they have
1: talent. You I know even they had have five
3: talent. wins last year, and two of them were their last two games of the year, and one of them was against LSU, who played in the SEC championship game.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the talent's um, not the issue there,
3: and, and and then Ole Miss on Thanksgiving
0: night—clearly
3: mm-hmm. a rivalry game. How are the two teams feeling about themselves going into that one? All that stuff. I mean, yeah. Th- there's a bleak picture that you can paint, sure, for this Mississippi State But at season. the
1: same time. I can paint a picture just as easily where they beat Southeast Louisiana and, and Arizona, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. And the LSU series has been very competitive over the last decade, after two mm-hmm. decades of it not being competitive. I mean, is LSU just completely unbeatable coming to Starkville? No. So what if state you know pulls out pulls out a, a, an upset there, and then they go to beat South Carolina, they lose to Alabama, but they're four and one at that point. Probably going to lose. A couple more, that they shouldn't because just because I feel like they would, but yeah, they could go I nine. And like you're arguing season. against
3: me. We did that already in, in painting the no, no, rosy I'm just picture.
1: No. Yeah, well, the rosy picture. We, we said eight and four. I can get you really rosy and then say that LSU is not an unlosable game for Mississippi State. They can they can find a way to win that game.
3: So you put that into a toss up category, and then instead of going forward, no,
1: no, no, I would not. No, no, LSU would definitely you be just win in running. an upset. Yeah, it's, it would be an upset if State won. Yeah,
3: fascinating season. So many questions that have to be answered that we don't get answers to until the uh, the games are actually played. But there's a path in both directions for uh, for this Mississippi State team. And you know, maybe somewhere in the middle is where it ends up. Maybe Vegas is right at about six and a half. 7 win season, back to a bowl game once again. Year one, we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up next.
0: For Sports Talk Mississippi, now. Now.
1: I have a financial question. I figure you're the guy to ask. You, you might know. If not, I'm sure one of our listeners is a banker. So we got a letter from our bank yesterday. We paid $125 too much in escrow last year. So they're going to refund us that money. Mm-hmm. They're going to send us a check for $125. Why can't the bank just make a deposit into my account for that amount? Why do they got to send me a check?
3: Is it the bank or the mortgage company that holds the mortgage?
1: I doubt that. I don't know. It should be the bank. I mean, we pay the bank each month for our mortgage.
3: I don't know. But, I, I mean, I, I do know. Well, no, I mean, other than that's just standard operating procedure, probably, it's 20, probably, I mean, my, my guess would be is that in sending paper checks there's probably a, a little notation on that check that you know must be cashed or deposited within 180 days. Sometimes yeah. those
1: you're not forget get
3: lost in the shuffle and yeah. somebody forgets about them and doesn't deposit them. I, I don't know. Not this guy.
1: Not this guy. I'll be on the lookout for that. I mean, and most a lot of places have the thing. Well, I don't think we have it, but you can you know you can just take a picture of the check and deposit it. It's just silly. Sure. Just sure. extra paper getting wasted. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not exactly a uh, an environmentalist, but did you ask them could, if
3: they anyways. could just direct deposit it?
1: I, I didn't. I didn't. We just got the letter. My wife just told me about it like ten minutes ago. So. Yeah, I don't know. I would have brought it up in the previous segment, but I was like, I had a feeling it would derail us. It's possible. Yes. Knowing us, yes. You know what? I wouldn't complain about that though. I'd just be like, no, no. I mean, it's just weird. It's just odd. Like just. You, it's put it in our put it in our account. Yeah,
3: Dwayne and Brandon says, believe me, it's an advantage to be the bank. They always come out ahead. Um, we had that happen with um, the closing on our house. We mm-hmm. got a letter like four months later, or six or eight months later, or something like that. The attorney that had handled the closing said, in the process of going through a routine audit. We discovered that more funds were withheld than should have been withheld at closing, and here's a check. I was like, "Thanks, this is awesome." Take so, that, yeah. But that was that was from the closing attorney. It wasn't from the bank itself. Yeah. Uh, somebody on the C Spire text line, Borky or uh, Hey Dad, tells us that uh, sounds like you've got some date night money coming up.
1: Yeah, yeah for there you sure. Go.
3: Uh, also i've had the same escrow issue they said they could not apply it anywhere but to escrow and i asked to apply it to principal they would not do that that was with a large national bank
1: no so greg and jack said they i have to endorse it to confirm receipt i mean if it's in the bank i will just assume that it's there i'll look at my account and there it is consider it
3: endorsed well but maybe that was the technical answer from greg you know, yeah. you, yeah, you say you, why? Yeah, and maybe it's right. you have to actually endorse that to confirm that you received the funds as opposed to them being deposited directly. Yeah. I, yeah.
2: I don't know. There is so much in the world of we can't do that when that is not the correct answer. Yes, you can. You choose not to. You could There's do There's a difference.
1: That yes. That, that so Basically everywhere you just, go these days, like we, 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 we live can't in a do world that. No, you could.
2: That is full of inefficiency. Yeah. Yes. 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 Time wasting, man. Well,
1: we could do a whole talk about a whole show. I mean, and, and you know, a lot, a lot of institutions, financial, medical, are still in some way stuck in the in the eighties. Yeah, was the price like, for medical probably should even stuck even, in the eighties? I know, right? Like, but checks, like by and large, probably really shouldn't exist anymore. Like, you know, who who still writes checks? Very few people. Yeah. You know, we're probably about 20 years away from checks not existing anymore. When I'm old enough that people who write checks now are, are, are you know, when I'm that age, the checks will be done.
3: When's the last time you wrote a check?
1: Uh, oh, I, I take it back. We recently had a repairman out, and we had to write them a check. But then he, did, he just scanned the check and left it. He's like, all right, you're good. Here's your confirmation number. <laughs> he didn't even take the check with him. I was like, buddy, I could have just Venmo'd you. Venmo has made the world such an easier place. I love Venmo. Like, Venmo lets you know who's sketchy, too. If if you go out to dinner, and you're like, somebody's like, I'll, I'll get you back. You know, so you pick up the tab, and, and somebody's like, I'll, I'll pay you back later. If you can't Venmo me now, I know I'm never getting that money.
3: <laughs> I think that the most convenient part of Venmo has been babysitters. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You, have you got cash? I don't have any cash. We need to stop by the ATM on the way home. Uh, uh, that, you write a check. I don't know where the check. Just Venmo. Go. Just Venmo. Just Venmo. Yeah. Like I'm I agree almost with that. surprised when I ask someone that, like, had a 17 year old kid that helped me move a piece of furniture the other day. I was like, "Hey, you got a Venmo mm-hmm. account?" He's like, "No." I was like, "What's wrong with you? Get a Venmo account, man. <laughs> Makes the world go round." Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you have a great evening. From Michael Borke and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio, I'm Richard Cross. Good night.